0: I actually have a friend that changed her screen just to black and white, so she wouldn't be on her phone as much because of the colors, even if they don't have any notification. And I think it's similar to like McDonald's, the kinds of colors they use, and it really kind of builds up a hunger. I think that's what the
1: application does. Welcome to the Brother Be Well podcast. I'm Leon Guidry from 97.5 KDEE. And this podcast for boys and men of color addresses the importance of mental health and wellness. Each week, we deliver inspirational stories and life hacks to reduce disparities, remove stigma, heal trauma, and to end prolonged suffering.
2: Hello, I'm Michael P. Coleman, content director and chief writer for Brother Be Well. Today, we're going to be talking about the intersection of technology and mental health. And we've got a couple of experts to join us that I'd like to introduce to you. First up. We've got Aaron King. He's a registered nurse and secretary of the Capital City Black Nurses Association. Aaron, how's it going this afternoon?
0: I'm doing great. How about yourself?
2: Really doing well. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. And we've also got a good new buddy of mine, Dr. Galen Duncan. He's a licensed clinical psychologist and vice president of King's Academy and professional development for the Sacramento Kings. Dr. Duncan, how's it going today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Really good to have you as a part of the team, looking forward to this and many other conversations down the road. Absolutely. Let's start it out right away. Let's talk about technology. It's it's omnipresent these days. Most people would argue that it's a necessity. I'm wondering why we need to manage it from your perspectives. Why do we need to
3: manage technology? Well, I'll take this one. I mean, I think that uh, anything good can go bad eventually. Um, you know, as we continue to evolve as humans, as we continue to create wonderful things to make our lives easier and make our, our lives better, we have to be very careful about the fine tuning that we mess with inside of the human mind and the human brain as we go that way.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Aaron, what about you? You got a take on that?
0: Why do we need to manage technology? I, I think that especially now with the younger youth population, we're starting to see a lot of habits form around technology. Um, it's really um, becoming a little bit more in, impersonal, you know, the connections that we make, and so even things like limiting tablet use for children and going up into adolescence, we we really don't know what the long term impacts of what technology will do. Mm. You just
2: touched on the, the next question, actually. I have for you guys: what are some of the problems, some of the pitfalls that can come up from the usage or the over usage of technology? Aaron,
0: um, I think if, if we're we start looking at different little different aspects of it. Um, like for my son, I know that we worry about like his vision. We learn, we worry about like, uh, dexterity issues. Um, we do have, um, some of the social issues that we worry about, like communications, those kind of things. I know that even fine motor skills. That's one thing that I've noticed, um, for just holding a pen or a crayon or a pencil. Um, these are all things that you pick up through play. Um, and then we're relying more on technology for entertainment. And we're starting to see that more on our children with late delayed with late with delayed uh, latency. Yeah.
2: And you mentioned, I'm just curious, you mentioned holding a pencil in some of those activities. Does a stylus or an Apple pencil and a tablet take the place of that or is not quite the same mm-hmm. thing in terms of the development of kids?
0: I think, we, I think that, that is actually a good um, comparison. I think with a stylist, you could. I know there's a lot of applications where they, they uh, focus on coloring and things like that. Um, but there is still kind of like that um, that issue of um, communication um, with others. Um, a lot of the communication, being able to read like nonverbal cues and things like that, you kind of lose that with technology. Yeah. Yeah.
2: What about you, Dr. Duncan? Do you have a, any thoughts about that problems or pitfalls with the use of technology?
3: Absolutely. I think Aaron's right on with that. Um, you know, I, I've read where, you know, technology has has seemed to stunt the imagination of young people. Um, it's shortened their attention spans. Um, it's created some a lot of isolation. Uh, we also know that it affects sleep, uh, you know, as you get further off into it um, and the usage of a phone or a tablet and looking down with your neck, it affects your neck and your back. Um you know, and then you have those uh, individuals who develop anger and anxiety based on the postings and things that they're reading. So there's a ton of things that fall into that aspect of, of of having technology in place and maybe misusing or overusing it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You you just touched on we're going to be talking as a whole separate conversation. You talked about posting. We're going to be talking about those social media sites and what posting and overposting, and then being over reliant on the responses coming back can do to our own mental health. We'll be talking about that down the road. Let me ask you guys another one. You, you talked about altering sleep patterns, Dr. Duncan. Um, are there times of the day or night that are better than other times? Or is it is there no one size fits all, so to speak? Is there a better time than not to use technology
3: heavily? Well, one thing that we say to our players is that we do not want them using technology at night when they get ready to go to bed when it's time to go to sleep we would prefer that those phones are either shut off or in another room um i've personally started using this myself to try to get some better sleep um but it is is definitely i feel that at nighttime we need to get those things out of the room because even when you're asleep you get a message and you get a notification the light comes on and we may not necessarily wake up fully but it affects our rem and our our you know restful sleep yeah absolutely Aaron, what's your? I, I could imagine you're treating a lot of people
2: with conditions that are um, prompted or driven by that technology used late at night.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with them. Um, and you're starting to see a lot more people take medication for sleeping. Um, and I think that the, even just the light, the stimulation, the constant stimulation, um, it kind of blocks people from being able to go into REM sleep. Um, I know there's been a lot of studies about even removing television out of the room. And if you could think about your mobile device, you're constantly getting alarms and beeps and rings and vibrates. And it's just that constant stimulation that keeps you away from rest.
2: I hadn't really thought about it until you said that. I I got I took my TV out of my bedroom decades ago for that reason. I've begun to read some of that research, but
0: I still go to sleep with
2: that cell phone right on that nightstand. So based on some of what you guys are saying, I think I'm going to try. I'm going to get rid of that tonight and see how it goes. Um, let me ask you this. I've, been, I've got a quote. I found this quote as we were getting ready to talk. I've been dying to actually run this by you to see what you think about this. Uh, it's by a professor emeritus at Yale University. And this is the quote. There are only two industries that call their co- consumers users. Two industries that call their customers, rather, users. Illegal drugs and software. How's that resonate with the two of you? Because my mind blew up when I read that and thought, I'll tell you, since I read that, and it was part of a documentary that we're going to be talking about a little bit later, I have been on Facebook probably 50% less
3: this week than I was last week before I ran across that quote. What do you think about that? Illegal drugs and users. I saw that and and I saw the social dilemma. That's what you're talking about, I assume. And that statement to me was riveting. Yeah. You know, to see that and to think about, that, you know, the similarities and, and, you know, if that's a mistake or not, um, it definitely lines up. And it's something that we have to very, have to be very aware of that there's an addictive nature. To technology, there's addictive nature to our computers and our phones and whoever lined this up or whoever wanted that to happen, got what they wanted because we're wow. stuck.
2: <laughs> that's for
3: sure. What about you, Aaron? How's that resonate
2: with you?
0: There is definitely there's I think there's definitely a reward system with a lot of technology. If you look at a lot of applications and the colors that they use, um, I actually have a friend that uh, changed her screen just to black and white so that it could, um, so she wouldn't be on her phone as much because of the colors are what kind of draws you in. So you constantly see people checking their phones, even if they don't have any notifications or anything, they're opening apps. And it's just kind of like this reward system that you build. Um, And I think it's similar to like what you see in advertisement, right? With like McDonald's and the the kinds of colors they use on television. And it really kind of builds up a hunger. And I think that's what the application does. And it kind of builds up that user. You have to come back at that reward. And you see that in many apps, I mean, from Tinder to, you know, just, you know, um, solitary games where there's just, you know, if it's like effects or bright lights or whatever, it's kind of triggers that reward system in you.
2: I got to ask you this follow up, because when you talk about colors and and switching to black and white, that's fascinating to me. I'm I'm talking to you right now through a brand spanking new iPad and they sold it to me because of the, the saturation of the colors and the more vivid picture. Is that drawing me in even more to that technology? Am I better off to even dim the screen and tune things down since I've got such a high resolution device?
0: That I don't know for sure. I would say yes. I would say a lot. Of, I I even tried to set my device to kind of a black and white, mm. and it did. I did notice that I was looking at my device less, wow. um, or even going through pictures and things like that. A lot of those colors just really draw you in, and I think that's what kind of builds that. Um, Addiction to the technology.
2: Wow, wow! I'm gonna definitely give that some thought. Let me ask you guys this: We're we're talking from three different rooms because of this global pandemic. We're more reliant than ever right now, I think, on technology. With you know Zoom meetings, everybody six months ago, no hardly anybody knew what Zoom was, and now everybody you talk mm-hmm. about Zoom meeting, everybody knows what you're talking about. How do we strike a good work-life balance when it comes to tech? That that's really difficult now you end your work day and you still got that phone in your pocket where you're synced up to your your work email. So how do you strike that great balance? Uh, I don't know, That's, Aaron, what do you think?
0: So I know that um, I'm, I'm in graduate school right now and I know when we kind of made the shift, it was very sudden and a lot of the classes weren't built around Zoom. And so we spent a lot of time in front of the screen. I mean, total in a week, I've been anywhere from eight to 10 hours for these different classes that you were stuck in front of the screen with Zoom. Um, mm-hmm. I've noticed with my son now that they've kind of gotten used to it and built it around. He's in kindergarten. So they do short periods of time. So they maybe do like a, a 20 minute lesson, an hour lesson or things like that. Um, and it just gets you less and less on the, on the, um, on the zoom application, but it's very important to get out. I know sometimes it's like even going outside and then seeing the light it kind of dazes me for a while because I spend so much time. Mm-hmm. Um, on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the pandemic really separating us, but really it's kind of loaded up our our schedules, um, where people have back to back meetings because you could be in several places at one time. Yeah. So you know no more of that, oh, I'll be across town. I can't have a meeting, you know, until An hour after, it's like, oh, you have 15 minutes, five minutes between meetings, and it just loads up your plate, and then you have these mobile devices that carry your work email, everything with you, so you're constantly on your devices when you should be with family, and it just kind of adds more on. And I think that really could really start to cause some anxiety as you build your plate up where you're overwhelmed.
2: I never thought that I would be one to say I miss my commute to and from meetings, but I, I realize now I was using that commute to put on a little music and chill out and kind of reset my brain. So I'm gonna take a lot of that to heart. Dr. Duncan, what do you have to say about striking that work-life balance?
3: You know, I think Aaron mentioned it is that we need to um we need to separate from our devices for a bit. And it's a very difficult thing. I, you know, I don't wanna, you know, jump too much into what you're gonna talk about next time, but social dilemma. There's a portion on it where the family tries to sit down for dinner, and and it becomes a complete a complete debacle yeah. because everyone is thinking about where their phones are, who's calling them, who's trying to reach out to them, what they're missing. We have to schedule times of, hey, if we're going to use this whole user model abstinence, <laughs> you know, we're going to have to find yeah. some time to have abstinence and to um, appropriately set our Separate ourselves from the things that um, that that hinder our relationships and how we develop, my fear is that the young people today are developing a lack of interaction and the inability to spark and start new relationships in a fruitful, healthy way, and if they don't if they don 't you know can you know devise some type of a balance between what they do technologically versus what they do from a human standpoint. Um, we're going to create a generation of young people who might not necessarily uh, have those social norms and mores that we are able to express.
2: Wow. Wow. You can count on that conversation on uh, social media and 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 mental health. We're going to be doing that very soon. And both of you will absolutely be invited to the table for that one. Last question of the day. We've touched on some of them. Uh, changing those displays. I love that one. Switching to black and white from the colors. Um, abstinence, leaving it away from the bed, not taking it to bed with you. I'm wondering from the two of you, what are some other takeaways or some tips that someone watching right now can implement today to try to distance themselves from those devices and and break that addiction that's forming?
3: You know, I I think that we have to, uh, so some of those, some of these programs actually come with an analyzation program or like your phone has an an analyze program that'll tell you how much you've been using it. And what you've been doing. Was it productivity work? Was it entertainment? Was it this? Was it that? Um, I think you need to take a social assessment and a personal assessment of how you're working and how you're using these things. If you have days over days where you're doing more things, you have more hours on your phone than you maybe have sleeping or interacting. Then you may want to dial yourself back and try to figure out, you know, you know, limit the times that you're actually able to touch it. You know, set timers on your phone to actually shut it off. Um, and, and just basically, basically taking yourself back old school and sitting down with family and friends and actually having real conversations and being around people. Wow.
2: Wow. Seemed like a long time ago, doesn't it, Dr. Duncan?
3: Yeah, <laughs> a long, long time. Time.
2: Yeah. <laughs> time. Aaron, what have you got to say on that one? Other tips? You, you provided quite a few. Do you have some others for us?
0: I think especially in this era of social distancing where a lot of people are working from home, it's very important to kind of set those boundaries because I know it's one thing if you leave home and you're in the office, you're at work, you're doing work. But when work is in the same, you know, it's in your household, it's hard to decide when you're on or when you're off. So really setting boundaries you know, not picking up your phone right when you wake up, maybe give yourself a couple, you know, 30, 45 minutes before starting your day and interacting, you know, outside of the household, um, putting away your devices when you're at dinner. I saw um, a video online, maybe mm, it might have been last year where the uh, group of girls went out for dinner. And they all stacked their cell phones in the middle of the table. The first person to pick up their phone had to pay for the tap. Oh, so I really wow. kind of got you to interact wow. and not really be focused on your, your text messaging and all that. Um, and it's a little scary. I don't know if you have ever had to leave the house and you forgot your cell phone. Yeah. You're, you're like, oh, my God, I got to go back right now.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think definitely setting boundaries for yourself um, and planning out those times to um uh, to be away from your devices.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think that's going to be key. You, um, you reminded me, I just got so recently on this mobile, this wearable Mm -hmm. stuff and I did it for fitness purposes, but a part of selling it to me was, well, if you get the cellular version, you can leave your phone at home and you can take a walk and you can call and text. I said, I don't want to call and text. If I'm on a walk or on my bike, I'm out there for exercise. I can do without that phone for a half hour, 45 minutes. So those are some great, great, great tips. Um, this has been a fantastic conversation. We could really talk for, for quite a bit longer on this. If you're interested in more of these tips and information of, about tech and mental health or anything that Brother Be Well is up to go to mentalhealthca.org. You can also uh, sign up. Uh, 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 you can uh, subscribe rather to the magazine there on the website. So do that and, and stay up to date on everything that Brother B. Well is doing. Um want to thank our guests one more time. Aaron King, thank you, sir, for checking in. Appreciate it. Dr. Duncan, we thank you as well. Newer member of the Dream Team, and we'll see you soon. And my name is Michael P. Coleman. I want to thank you again for your time today. And until we talk to you again with Brother Be Well, I want to remind you to take care of yourself and somebody else. We'll see you soon.
1: This has been the Brother Be Well podcast. I'm Leon Gidry. Shout out to our sponsors, Sutter Health and the Sacramento County Division of Behavioral Health Services through the voter-approved Proposition 63 Mental Health Services Act. And don't forget our goals to reduce disparities, remove stigma, heal trauma, and to end prolonged suffering. If you have feedback on today's episode, tweet us at Brother Be Well or email info at BrotherBeWell.com click the subscribe button right now and plan to join us next time. Until then, be well, brothers.